the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Our God is good, our God is faithful, and I love to hear the stories of people who have come to know him and who are serving him. And today I've got part two of a discussion and a story with Melissa Neenhaus. Melissa, welcome back to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. Well, it it is good. Uh, and uh, just to kind of summarize what we were talking about last week uh, in your story, you grew up in Southern California, and uh, your mother and grandmother uh, were were people who embraced uh, witchcraft, although they didn't identify themselves as witches. They pretty much right. practiced uh, witchcraft with uh, with potions and and yes. uh, just their behaviors and how they lived their life. And you embraced that as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. And out of that became a, a kind of a in your early years through your teenagehood and through through your young adult life uh, the practice of witchcraft and 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 living living a life that was um, you know bent on on that kind of a direction and uh, went through a marriage for four or five years and that didn't work yes. out and eventually. Uh, Came to know the Lord through a oh, guy yes. guy by the name of Earl. Tell me yes. about Earl real quick again. Oh, Mr. Earl was such a dear, sweet gentleman. We worked together. He was so happy all the time. And I had the courage to come up to him and say, Earl, why are you so happy? And how can I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, Melissa, it's Jesus. And I thought, huh? What? So that was the first of many conversations, and I came to know the Lord. Yeah. So moved up to Washington State. Yes. Met your husband, married Bill, been married now 29 years, yes, four children. Indeed. And yes. uh, we had the chance a while back, a few weeks ago, to interview Lily, uh, who uh, is your uh, number two daughter? Yes. Or, yeah, number second, two. Second, second child. Second child. Yes. And um, and Lily had a story that uh, was was pretty uh, powerful yet sad because yes, she went is. through some huge crisis for, a, for yeah. as a very young girl. I I was Definitely. as I was listening to her story, uh, thinking about uh, from junior high and through high school, which you know so for 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 so many uh, kids, it's kind of like uh, you know uh, first crushes and and a girl right. talk. And uh, and maybe a few serious issues, but but nothing like she nothing. experienced with with right. uh, uh, alcohol, eventual heroin addiction, yes. uh, rape, 
attempted suicide and all of those yes. things. So as I heard her sharing her story, all I could do as a father is I'm thinking, oh my, what's mom and dad going through during right. this time? So right. you pick up the story and, and tell me as as uh, Lily starts her, her, her downward spiral when she's about mm-hmm. 14 years old, what's happening with you and what's happening with right. your family? Well, at that time, uh, she was 14, as you said, and she, well, I knew there was something wrong. I could see it. So we are a very, very open family and encourage communication. So I was trying to talk to her, trying to engage with her, trying to do everything, you know, a mother would, would do to try to help her daughter. So both Bill and I are doing this. And it didn't seem like anything was working. And so one day she came to us and brought us a little bag and said it was a bag of drugs. And she said, I need help. She goes, I'm addicted. Okay. All right. And had you been around, had you been around addiction at all before in your life? I mean, had had you, you'd never really experienced that in other relationships or family or anything? Nope. Nothing, nothing at all prepared me. Not a thing. So she presented this to us and said, I need help. And the feeling as a mother, your heart just drops. It it just dropped, um, and I thought it, it couldn't get any harder, but it did. So we started taking her to meetings as parents. We're trying to do everything we can. What can we do to help you? How can we help you? Let's research services. Let's do this. Let's do that. So we were running through everything, but the first thing that we did was start to take her to meetings, AA So here I am, going into these meetings with, I think by that time she was almost 15. Here I am going with my 15-year-old daughter to an AA meeting. And that was hard Mm -hmm. because I sat there and thought, Lord, why did you put us here? Why are we here? Why do we have to be here? This is not right. So... We made it through uh, meeting after meeting, and we both noticed this is not working. This is not working at all. So there came a time where we thought, okay, the next step is to get her some inpatient treatment, a rehab facility. So we had to jump through all the hoops, get her evaluated, and... I remember getting her evaluated, and the gal said, yes, I recommend that Lillian goes to not only a rehab facility, but a lockdown facility. Um, Because not only was she drinking, taking every kind of pill there was at that point, and using heroin, but she had also been cutting. So... I went into super mom mode, calling every facility I could think of, 
I looked online. I called so many. Do you take our insurance? What about this? What about that? And it was a really rough time. A really rough time. So we finally found a facility in Spokane. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. All of our problems are going to be solved. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, how naive I was. Um, it was still just beginning. So our insurance was accepted. It was a lockdown facility. And they said, yes, your insurance is accepted, but we still need money before you even walk her into this front door. I said, what? What? What do you mean? Well, we need money. We need, I believe it was $800. And we just thought, where on earth are we going to get $800 in a couple of days? Because you made the phone call. Do you have room for my daughter? Yes, we'll tell you when a bed is available. Boom, I get the phone call. A bed is available in two days. Oh, by the way, we need $800. So we didn't know what to do. Okay, Lord, she needs to be there. You've directed me to this place. How are we going to get her in? So I told my husband, I said, here. I said, I will take all of my jewelry and go to the pawn shop. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes. So I walked in and laid down all this gold jewelry, diamonds and jewels. And he said, do you want to pawn it? And I said, no, just sell it. I just need the money. Okay. Well, he he got done testing all the gold and everything. And he said, I'll give you $1,000. I said, I'll take it. So between the cost to get into that rehab facility and our cost for gas and other things to get there was $1,000. So the Lord provided exactly, exactly what we needed. So on our way, we went. How long was she in rehab then? Um, she was in rehab the first time, almost two months, Mm -hmm. almost two months. And I still remember on the way there, she had a water bottle and she was sitting in the back seat and we knew, we knew Chuck, it was not water Mm -hmm. in that bottle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just broke my heart. Yeah. And then, you know, when you you take that child and it's a 15-year-old girl, and as a mom and dad, you drop her off in Spokane, turn your car around and go back to Linden, Washington, and that's a long road back home, realizing your daughter oh, yeah. is there. And was she on blackout for like 30 days, or did you were you able to she have contact was... with her at all? I believe it was two weeks. Two weeks blackout. She was on blackout, yeah. Yeah. And we only had contact, I think it was right before the two weeks was up, but we had contact because she was hospitalized. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so they had to reach out to us and tell us that. Right, um, right. And that was because of the withdrawal effect. Right. Well, so she goes through rehab, and then um, and the, she she comes out of that. And yes. how long did she stay sto- did she stay sober then? She stayed sober a few months. I want to say it was seven, six, something like that months. But Chuck, she came out a shell of herself. She came out on three different kinds of medication, which she needed. They prescribed, okay, great, that's good, I'm so glad. But I knew that wasn't her. And before you know it, she relapsed. Mm -hmm. And I called her original counselor, who I still keep in contact, by the way. Um, I called her and I said, what do we do? What do we do? And she says, let me talk to her, okay. She wasn't on the phone with her, but two minutes, Chuck, and Lily gives the phone back to me, and she goes, you guys need to come back now. Okay. So here we go. Back to Spokane. And this time she was in for, oh, I think it was 35, 40 days. Yeah. And she came out. Well, for those of us who have had family members with addictions, this is a familiar story, but it's still a hard a hard story to listen to because behind that is so much pain and anguish, not only to see that your loved one go through that, but you're going through those traumas with her, and then there's trauma that happens with the family as well, with the siblings, that uh, a lot of times an addict doesn't see at the time. You know, and what's going on when they're in rehab, the reality is mom and dad are 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 in their own prison uh, of of anxiety and fear. And all. even as believers, uh, the the, the heartache is 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 heavy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. Did you have a support system of friends that understood or did they not understand addictions and, and they had all these answers for you? They did not understand addictions. Mm -hmm. And no one in our family really did. Mm -hmm. They may have thought they did, but they didn't. So it was Bill and I and the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and and our family, our our other three boys. Um, I remember Lillian coming out of rehab, excuse me, out of rehab that second time. And she came into the house and we knew she had drugs her purse. And Bill said, hand it over. Hand it over or you need to leave. So she walked out. Yeah. And I was just in tears. And I called the counselor again. She says, now, Melissa, you need to call the police and report her as missing. Okay. Well, as Lillian was leaving, her younger brother was riding down the street on his bicycle, yelling and crying, Lily, Lily, come back. Come back to the house. Just throw your drugs away, Lily. Come on. That was hard. Yeah. That hurt. That really hurt. Yeah. And Lily didn't quite get it at the time, but when she got clean and sober, boy, those two had a talk, and now they are close. They are so close. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
as I just said earlier, uh, the addict doesn't see that, doesn't understand no. that, no. and that those, you know, those painful memories for that sibling is is huge to see someone that they love. And a lot of times, you know, as adults, we have a hard time seeing it, but but for the for the sibling, they may not have the maturity level or the understanding, and right. so they're they're dealing with it in their own way. In and, their own way. And, and uh, it's tough. Those those family dynamics. It's it's really really tough, and um and then you have your own self doubts, don't you? I mean, you're like, oh, what yes. did I do wrong? Why why was I a good Christian <laughs> right. parent? Right. You know, you know, yeah, I made a mistake here. Is that what caused them to have this addiction? And you know, yeah. all the you, you begin to review all the mistakes you made as a parent, yep. and and begin yeah. to feel that condemnation. And the reality yeah. is, yeah, we're fallible people, but. You know, at times the, the, our children make decisions that you would rather they not make, but they do, and they have to face the consequences yes. of it, and you well, have to watch them go through it. When Lillian was in rehab, she said when she told her story to the other girls, they they couldn't believe it because her parents were still married. Mm-hmm. Well, she lived in the same house with her entire family. She says, Mom, every single one of them came from a broken home. Right. She goes, and I did not. She goes, so I never want you to think, you or Dad, it was not something that you said or you did not say. It was not the way you raised me or didn't raise me. She goes, I lay no blame at on you or on Dad. Hmm. None. This was my choice. I am the one who decided to go out and do this. Yeah. Well, that's a very mature thing to say because oftentimes uh, an addict will try to find every everything excuse, excuse yeah. possible to blame yeah. others for their for their own decisions. Right. And um, uh, that was a blessing from her to to say yes. that to you because you know we all know that we we don't do everything right as parents, but we certainly don't want our send our kids down the road that they sometimes decide to take. So in her story, Lily talks about the fact that uh, she had been raped and, and and, uh, by one of her uh, drug friends and, and all of that. So as a mother, and when you hear that story and when you hear your daughter say that those things and tell you about that, what, what's your heart saying to you? Well, my first reaction was we had no idea. What do you mean you were raped? What do you mean you were pregnant? What do you mean you had a miscarriage? And we knew none of that, Chuck. We knew none of it. Mm-hmm. And that hurt me so bad because I thought she had to suffer and go through this pain without me. So when she told this to me, my I'll be honest, my first thought was anger. Severe anger. Really bad anger. Mm-hmm. And It has been discussed here and there over the years. If anything, this has brought about even more transparency between us and the entire family. So we've talked about this, and I just, I cannot, I feel bad saying this, but I cannot forgive yet. I just can't. Mm -hmm. I cannot forgive. Um, She has said, oh, I have prayed for him. I said, I can't. I can't. I can't pray. I can't forgive. And and I feel bad 
because as a Christian, I know I'm supposed to, but I am not there yet. Mm. I am still not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you used a word here that I think is so powerful for those parents who have gone through addictions. Sometimes the most honest people I I find are parents who've gone through addictions who are have opened their hearts up and are willing to tell the story, because as you're doing today, Melissa, you know, and being transparent about what's gone on and what your family has gone through. Uh, it, it shows that you had to do a deep search in your own heart and your own relationship with the Lord as as those of us that have had to do yep. the same thing right. because it, it do, that kind of pain does bring about that desire to uh, search the deep things of the heart and the soul and our motivations right. and the whys and is God really real in this situation? You right. know, you know, is it? And so uh, I appreciate. So what happens then? You know, she's 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 confessed this to you and we've got yes. about five minutes left. And I don't sure. want to uh, I don't want to uh, I want to get to the other side of this. So as yes. a as a mom, what uh, tell me what happens next? Well, she came out of rehab the second time and she was OK. I was fighting for her to get in to see a psychiatrist to change her medication. That happened. But then also what happened is to one of her very best friends, um, her mom passed away, very young. And it was not too long after that that Lily tried to commit suicide. And that was difficult. That really hit home. I thought, oh, my goodness, what? No, 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 no. She's still clean and sober. Why? No, we can't go through this now, God. What is? No. I was almost in denial. So we were working with her through that. And then there was uh, a couple of her friends who went to a different church, and they invited her to youth group. Okay, go ahead. Well, this particular youth group was so loving, so inviting. And the youth pastor told me later, he said, Melissa, Lily would come in. And she would sit at the back of the building, not even in the chair. She would be up against the wall, and she would be laying down on the floor. And kids would come up and say, is she okay? Oh, yeah, she's fine. And eventually, she worked her way up. She sat up, and she joined the rest of the crowd. And the youth pastor said, I am just so thankful because God knew that you needed to be here. And he worked on your heart. And that's what happened. She just recommitted herself to the Lord. Yeah. Well, as she told her story, uh, I mean, it's it's a powerful story. And it's, a, as I mentioned to her uh, off uh, off mic uh, as we were talking, you know, that the chapters are still being written. The Lord knows yes. the chapters that oh, are yes. have been written now. And he knows the future chapters of her life. And, and right. he will be with her throughout the whole thing. Yes. So, Melissa, as we as we wrap up here and as you've shared your story, what would you say the key messages that you want to share to those who uh, are listening today? Trust. Trust in the Lord. This is my life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That is it. 
even if you feel like you are at the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of anything, trust, trust, because he has you. Mm-hmm. Well, that is that is true, and that is powerful, because, <clears throat> you know, as we see our, the lives of our children, and as they go through and making the decisions of their life, sometimes they go down a path that we don't want to see them go right. down because we know, but they still sometimes have to take that path uh, yes. until they come to an understanding that they need to follow the Lord as well. Right. And, uh, and so we pray, we seek his face as, yes, as mom and dads, and we trust God for the outcome. And so thank you for joining me today. We've been speaking with with Melissa Neenhaus, and uh, if you want to hear this uh, broadcast again, you can go to thewordseattle.com and click on local programs, and uh, Heart of the City is right there. So Lily's story and Melissa's story is right there. Melissa, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Chuck. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Thank you.